0: gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Huckers don't skip. Allow me to explain. I was throwing rocks into Jamaica Pond. I'd say I was skipping rocks, but more were sinking than skipping because it was one of those angry at everybody and everything kind of days. I was frustrated at why people are plop the way they are plop. When suddenly this child, maybe seven or eight years old, with pigtails that were slightly off center and chocolate ice cream on the front of her shirt, this child walks up to me and says, excuse me, but you're trying to skip huckers and huckers don't skip. You can, skip a, uh, you can huck a skipping rock if you want to, but it doesn't really land very good. It just goes plop, not sploosh, she said, providing a sort of modern dance interpretation of a rock splooshing. But if you've got a hucking rock, and most of the rocks around here are huckers, huckers don't skip. They just huck. It doesn't matter how hard you try. Huckers don't skip. I felt I'd been granted a transformative lesson in radical acceptance. Suddenly the people I had been frustrated with made a little bit more sense to me transformed into huckers and skippers, people who were just formed one way or the other and then behave accordingly. That kind of transformative acceptance is the root of the serenity prayer, right? Say it with me if you know it. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage, change the things I can, and the wisdom, Raise your hand if you know anybody who has found that prayer to be helpful, maybe even transformative. I've been thinking about how transformation happens. And the message in that prayer seems to be an important beginning, how we become the people we say we want to be or have the kinds of relationships we say we want to have. How do we transform our communities into places we are proud of or transform the world. Radical acceptance of what cannot be changed and the courage to change what can be changed are critical first steps, but it feels like there's a piece missing. I looked into it a bit. I have a few stories to share that help me make sense of it all. But let's start with that piece of cloth that you picked up on your way in. If you didn't get a piece of cloth on your way in, please raise your hand and one of the ushers will bring you one. You're also going to need a pen, and a lot of the pens are new, so you might want to scribble a little on the order of service to get them started. Now, don't write anything yet. I'd like you to think of a transformation you are seeking for yourself in just one or two words. Maybe you're seeking to forgive, or you're seeking sobriety, connection, stability, love. Maybe you've recently found one of those and you want to maintain that new change in your life. So now, in one or two words, write on the cloth what it is you are seeking or what you have recently found. Molly will play a little thinking music while you think and maybe write. It's all right if you're not done. This cloth is for you to keep, so you can continue to mull a bit if you'd like. We're going to come back and do a bit more with this cloth later on. First, a story, a story of changing what can be changed. In fact, it's the rest of the story about the transformation of the man who wrote Amazing Grace. So does anybody remember uh, from when we sang the hymn earlier this morning, the story behind Amazing Grace. Anybody on this side remember who wrote Amazing Grace? Right, John Newton with his friend, the poet William Cooper. Anybody on this side remember what Newton did for a living? Right, he was the captain of a slave ship. So Newton's on a slave ship, he's transporting slaves, and people on this side, then what happens? Right, there's a huge storm. And he's scared out of his mind. He records in his journal that when all seemed lost, he called out, Lord, have mercy upon us. The Lord does, all are saved, and Newton immediately converts to Christianity. The Christian tradition favors sudden transformations like this, suddenness is needed in order to get our attention, to shake us out of our worldly slumber. Christianity also recognizes that when God talks, we don't always listen. So Newton becomes a Christian, and then what happens? He writes Amazing Grace? Nope. He gives up the slave trade? No. Newton, now a devout Christian, continues in the slave trade for seven more years retires, becomes a minister, and then, together with his friend, the poet William Cooper, writes Amazing Grace, which is not about awakening to the evils of slavery, but is about Newton's own salvation. It's about how God saved his life. So how is this a story about changing what can be changed? Over 30 years after his conversion to Christianity, And eight years after he wrote Amazing Grace, Newton begins to express regret about his role in the slave trade. Within five years, he's beginning to speak publicly, vehemently, and controversially from his pulpit, renouncing slavery and his role in it. Newton spends the rest of his life fighting for abolition. Transformation? Certainly. And it took him a while. So what happened that Newton was, in one night, suddenly transformed into a Christian and then slowly, 30 years later, into an abolitionist? I don't know for sure. The history books leave that part out. But here's a missing piece. I do know that at just about the same time when Newton is beginning to express his regret about his role in slavery, his friend William Cooper who wrote Amazing Grace with him, was becoming fairly famous for writing rousing abolitionist poetry. Cooper was a staunch abolitionist. I imagine that the two friends, Cooper the abolitionist, and Newton the former slave trader turned minister, may have spoken about the topic. Newton was lost and then was found. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference, and courageous people to show me what is true when I can't see it for myself. My own transformation, my own ability to see what's true for me, has given me some compassion for what took Newton so long to wake up. I live in a Unitarian Universalist housing co-op. There are 13 of us, all living in one huge house and the house is based on UU values. Those values include being an intentionally inclusive and diverse justice-seeking community, not unlike Arlington Street Church. Every once in a while, we have a space for a new housemate and we do a search and about 10 or 20 people apply for each room. Recently, a housemate pointed out that we had inadvertently created a housemate selection process that is um, racist, classist, exclusive, and counter to our UU values of creating an intentionally inclusive and diverse justice-seeking community. It was a sudden awakening. It was a storm. And our salvation was not immediate. Our house is in Roxbury, in a neighborhood that is 90% people of color. And when we have a room, we post the notice on the neighborhood listserv and we put up flyers. We also reach out to the Boston co op community, AKA predominantly white people, the environmental community, also predominantly white people, and Unitarian Universalists. So we end up with a lot of applicants that look a lot like the people who already live at the house. The number of people of color in our home is currently zero. Also coming in at zero are families with children, differently abled folk, people for whom English is not their first language, all zero. But everyone's welcome to apply to our inclusive, diverse, and justice-seeking community, everyone who knows how to look online and find the Boston Co-op network internet listserv. Everyone who has regular access to the internet and is fluent in English. Everyone who interviews with us and knows enough about liberal culture to talk about their life's passion before asking how much the utilities are. You know, everyone who is a quote, good fit. Everyone. Hmm. Was blind, but now I see. So is this one of those moments to accept what cannot be changed? That huckers don't skip? Or is the moment to change what can be changed? Are we wise enough to know the difference? Are we courageous enough to see what we hadn't seen before and then hold each other accountable to following through and living up to our values? It seems grace does lead us home. We spent four months and a couple hundred hours or so completely reworking our system. The outreach, the interview questions, the whole thing. The entire house participated in a day-long anti-racism training. We have a small group that meets monthly to continue that work and we are, at this very moment, interviewing new housemates. The new search process has resulted in a record number of applicants of people of color, families with children, and immigrants. Transformation? Not even close. But have we taken the first steps down the path? Absolutely. There's an incredibly long way to go. Like Newton, it's taking a while. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference, and a courageous community to hold me accountable to the person I say I am. There's an image I continue to carry in my head as I've been part of this often challenging process, and the the image helps me a lot, I wanted to share it with you. In some Buddhist traditions, novice monks wear white robes. In order to earn the richly colored robes of an ordained monk, novices must dip their white cloth into dye a thousand times as a reminder of the steady practice and commitment needed for true transformation. A thousand times. It gives me some patience with myself when it takes me a while to see what I haven't been able to see. There's transformation brewing in this community. Twice a month for the last year I've been taking a class here in the basement with other members of the congregation and the class is called Building the World We Dream About. It's all about figuring out how we as individuals and as congregations are and are not creating an inclusive, diverse, justice-seeking community here at Arlington Street Church. It's the kind of place where we can be honest about what we don't know and don't understand. A place that asks us to look again at what we think can't be changed. The ultimate goal is to start a transformation team that is interested in doing the work to create a multicultural community here. I've been encouraged that each time we've asked the congregation to join us, we've discovered that there are many, many, many more people in this congregation interested in that transformation. Interested in changing what can be changed. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference, and a courageous community to hold me accountable to the person I say I am, to the people we all want to be, Let's go back to that little piece of white cloth again. You wrote down what transformation you are seeking or you're maintaining, turn it over. Now think of one person or a group of people who will support you in that transformation. Who wants for you what you want for you? Who is interested in changing what can be changed? Maybe those people are right here in this room. Okay, now go ahead and write the name of that person or that group of people on the cloth. My hope is that you'll take this cloth with you and that you'll put it someplace where you can see it, that it reminds you of the transformation you're seeking in your life and of the person or the group of people who want for you what you want for you. The cloth is white so that, like the novices' white robes, which must be dipped a thousand times, it reminds you of the need for patience with yourself on this journey. I learned about accepting what couldn't be changed from the child at the pond. About what can be changed from the poet who may have inspired his slave trading friend to become an abolitionist. I discovered the difference between what could and couldn't be changed when we moved awareness into action at the co-op. And through it all, community, in its many forms, is what holds us. It holds us to the people we say we want to be. Blessed be. Amen.